Good morning, everyone. It is time for Neon and Beyond on this first full weekend of June. Thank you so much for coming along on this amazing journey as we get you up close and personal with things that continue to happen here in Clark County, Southern Nevada, and the greatest state ever. That is Nevada. Plus, I'd love to hear from you. So if you've got an event coming up or you have a question, you can always just say hi. It's Steph, S-T-E-P-H, at point P-O-I-N-T, nine seven. Kicking things off with one of my very favorite people and an amazing organization with some really cool things up and coming, great things that they continue to do, and of course around a subject that we don't really like to talk about, and it's almost taboo, but about death and, and grievance. And this morning, I'd like everyone to give a warm welcome to the one and only, the beautiful Kelly Boyer. Good morning, Kelly. That's how kind of you. Good morning. I Thank you for having you. me. No problem. And you, of course, founded Adam's Place. And so I want to start there this morning for everyone. And I hope everyone really pays attention to this because death is part of life and it is something that happens, unexpected mm-hmm. or expected. Um, and it's something that happened to you unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And you started Adam's Place and it's benefited me. So we'll share all those kind of stories. But what is Adam's Place and why did you start it? Adam's Place um, is the 501c3 that we started. I lost my son, Adam, in 2007 due to injury sustained in a car crash. So it was sudden, and he was only 21, leaving behind his other, uh, younger brother, who was 15 at the time. And my concern you know, was how can I uh, support my younger son cope with the loss of his only brother? So I did a lot of research on what was helpful to kids and that are coping with loss and grief. And far and away, Peer Support Group has lots of research and, and evidence that it's helpful. Um, what kids don't want to be, they don't want to be the only one that's lost a parent or sibling. Um, that Making those connections and normalizing what they're feeling is very, very helpful in validating, validating what they're feeling. So we uh, went around the country and looked at different programs, and we came back and we said, we need to start one here, uh, Children's Bereavement Center here in Las Vegas. <clears throat> so we started out during the first um, during the foreclosure crisis in 2009 and 10, and it just we just hit the ground running. Um, there was a great need for what we do, and uh, so we work with kids as young as five up to 18. We also do have a junior camp cope, which is for three and four year olds. And we hit the ground running, and we had this program, and we quickly saw that we needed to have some data and ways to communicate that. Children need to learn through grief, that we're, we need to learn skills, that coping skills are not innate. We, we learn them, and we either model what's around us. Um, we just want to help set a healthy cadence on learning healthy coping skills and building that individual res- resiliency. So we, over the years, have created this Camp Cope curriculum, which we span out over eight sessions when it's in person, and when it's virtual, it's six sessions. So imagine a summer camp rolled out in six, eight sessions um, with, with volu- trained volunteers running those um, age-segmented groups that have themes, goals, and objectives and age-appropriate activities that are uh, that's to support the child to be able to express their emotion, put some big, you know, wrap their arms around these big feelings, learn some vocabulary, and, again, make connections and normalize what they're going through so they can make their individual plan as they move forward. And these are really lifelong skills. They're seeds that we're planting, but they are lifelong investments. As you mentioned, Steph, we cope with loss. It's the common thread of humanity. Some of us have an early childhood experience, and that's called an adverse childhood experience. Some of us may not experience loss till later in life. 
Um, but we'll have a variety of losses along the way, whether it's a move, whether it's uh, not getting a job, um, we didn't make a certain team, but we, those coping skills, they're like muscles that we flex, that we use in those situations. And, you know, we get, if we set healthy coping skills as our go-to um, muscle, they'll just get stronger along our, our path and our journey. Well, and from the perspective this morning of everyone listening, so Kelly unfortunately lost her son. And then you flip it to a different story of my personal story where my kids lost their dad. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't know what your younger son was going through. It was something you weren't prepared for. It's nothing that you could ever prepare for. But I will tell you from personal experience that Adam's place wholeheartedly has changed my family's life. And that's why I love talking with you. And I really like bringing this to the forefront because like you said, it, it's part of life. It mm-hmm. happens. Um, but how is it going to, cause it will affect everyone. It's affected me. It's affected my kids. It's affected my friends. It's affected our life. And mm-hmm. how do you move forward and how are you going to do it? You know, it's mm-hmm. scary when it happens, but Adam's place, you guys is just such an amazing resource. And I, I can't thank you from the bottom of my heart. I know it's, Something I didn't want to ever have to say, but here we are, right? And we get to mm-hmm. move forward and help others. And mm-hmm. even deeper than that, it's about mental health. Mm-hmm. And you yep. touched a little bit about the loss on jobs or sports. And that's all wrapped up in this when it affects kids, especially. And we're seeing that all over the United States. And, and we've just gone through, a, a, some kids lost a year to two years of learning. Right. right? We weren't in the classroom. They were behind. And we're, we're just starting to understand what those, that ripple effect has meant to children. Um, I watched an interview with a child um, that was in Wisconsin, and he was eight years old when the pandemic hit, and his family was going through some other issues. The family and, and the parents ended up getting divorced. So not only was he going through the loss of learning for, and, and the loss of, um, uh, of peer interaction, but now his parents were divorcing and there were all those kinds of things. And he became suicidal. Um, he actually verbalized, I'm thinking of killing myself. So the parents were able to get him into a mental health with a mental health professional. And we are, we are seeing that uh, we know that from about two, when on the onset of social media, mental health with children really took, started taking a nosedive because there's comparison and there's all this, uh, but there's not interaction, right? And we're comparing ourselves and we're maybe not feeling as, as good about our personal stories as, um, and we're not having the outlet to discuss that, to normalize, to say, well, not everybody's family looks like this and not every day as happy as that one that was posted the other day, that there are sad times too. And so um, I, I do want to say to listeners, one of the tough sentences to ask is, are you thinking of killing yourself? Do you have a plan? And those sentences are important for us to pra- practice right now because, unfortunately, suicide rate, rates are just on the rise with children as young as, you know, eight and up. And so mental health in general has been, just been so impacted by the pandemic, by economic issues that parents are facing, et cetera. And um, we just have to ready our arms, right? We all need to be as competent and sensitive as we can as a, as a society because we don't know if, the, if it'll be the janitor that'll interact with a child that can make a difference or the cafeteria worker or the school bus driver 
or, or the coach. And if we all get comfortable with being talking about mental health and um, having some simple habits of conversations to discuss concerns, how to problem solve, and help build their confidence for, to, uh, for life's difficult moments, we'll just raise um, our mental health in our in our overall community. Well, that so brings I, it to another point too that I'd like to ask. And first and foremost, this morning on Neon and Beyond, we are talking with Kelly Boyer, president and founder of Adam's Place, dealing with grief with kids and teens and families coming together and how to cope and move forward. But when you talk about how to talk or how to see the signs, that has been the biggest thing, especially in the past two weeks. What do mm-hmm. we do? You know, we can only start with what we have available to us. So we have our families, and we've practiced some good habits to start conversations about mental health and checking in with them and make it a part of your habits, you know, weekly, daily habits to check in. We do that in groups. We we have what we have um, in our structure of groups. We always do a check-in. And on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you feeling today? 1 being super sad and 10 being I'm super happy. And then where are you in between? And that's simple check-in is helpful to put a number on something. It's, it helps qualify. And kids can say, oh, you know, I'm a five today or I'm a three today. And, and, you know, what we're really looking for is that if kids consistently say they're a one or two, like over a period of two weeks, then we know we have an issue that we may need to get more help with. You know, everybody's going to have a day where they feel like a one, but hopefully the next day they're going to be back to four or five or six or maybe in the next within that same day. That's very normal. But when it's prolonged um, feelings of sadness, that's when we know that that could be a depressive state. And that's a mental health, um, for a mental health professional to be of assistance then. And so these tools that we can have on our tool belt as coaches, parents, teachers, uh, are as simple as that, checking in. And we encourage kids to check in with each other. When we have a group with kids and we're in a school setting, we encourage them when they're at the water fountain and they see somebody in group to go in and say, hey, what's your number today? And giving them tools to help each other and support each other is it's really what this is about, is, is identifying what tools work and, and uh, making it simple but giving it structure so they have their confidence. Um, so it's really just about saying questions. something and seeing something. It, right, just like when we see a, uh, a strange package in the airport, and I think about that, too, when they, you hear that announcement over the loudspeaker, if you see something, say something, and that's really the same kind of concept that we need to apply to mental health. Um, a lot of good things there for everyone this morning. Um, also, real quick before I ask you my next thing, how are people going to find out more information about you guys? So we're, we started during the, the foreclosure crisis. We didn't have a lot of staff, so we use technology. Our website, adamsplacelv.org, up 24-7. You can register for Camp Cope uh, online anytime, and then you get an automatic, automatic response about when our next group starts. There's some great resources on our website, too. There's um, some great videos that show some books that are helpful. So please look at our website, adamsplacelv.org. Uh, we take the next um, six weeks. We do evaluations from our work during the summer, but, um, or during the school year, rather, and then we attend some conferences uh, to help us hone our skills and learn what people are doing across the country as well. But one thing we are doing as with Clark County School District, we're training 10 schools in June to have their own Camp Cope program on their campus. And we're really um, 
believe in this concept because that way kids can get to uh, Camp Cope on site at their school, which takes away transportation as a barrier for them to get to supportive services. So we're training some CCSD school counselors, school social workers to run their own Camp Cope uh, on site, and we really believe that will be uh, one way we can expand capacity and help more kiddos get connected to supportive services. Well, and that brings us to when we're talking about schools and the unfortunate situation that happened in Texas a few weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and it seems to just Mm -hmm. be a weekly thing. How do we talk to our kids about this? Because it almost seems like some are becoming just numb to all of it. It's desensitizing. I mean, I think I read there was like, um, I don't know, 22 mass shootings in one week here in our country. So we become like, oh, it's another shooting. Well, no, it's it's another shooting. And when children become desensitized, and, and video games and a lot of things have added to this desensitizing of death and violence. Um, but it's even more important to have that framework of asking conversations about defining what mental health is, talking about their feelings. Maybe they're going to have questions. During a time like this, regression can happen because they're internalizing some angst, anxiety. Um, so it's normal to see kids who may want to snuggle up or sleep with uh, with you, or maybe there's bedwetting for younger kids. Those are normal things. So they're, that's their outward signs of saying, I'm anxious. It's when that stuff goes on for a prolonged period that there may 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 need to get some other help. But um, bringing the conversation up to say, be honest, be concrete, share your own feelings. Um, you know, that made me sad too. I feel like I can't do anything to help the families that, that, that um, a child has died. When, and in sharing your feelings, a tear, those help normalize it for your kids to feel comfortable with that. Making your own plan as a family, what, and if there's a, a crisis, what do we do? Where would I go if something happened to mom or dad or my stepdad or stepmom? Who, who would take care of me? And being able to sh- explain to kids, well, we've got a plan. Aunt Susie would come and take care of you. Uh, that's very helpful. Um, when we, um, when one October happened here in Las Vegas, uh, we did have a, a family that was in our program that lost the, the husband, father, and but the mom had been at the um, concert. And the kids came in the next, she was not hurt, thankfully, but the kids came in and they're like, wait a minute, we thought we lost one parent. That, that's, that's not, we're not going to lose our mom. But in reality, that could happen. And so just because you have one bad card dealt doesn't mean that there's not another card coming down the, uh, in the next hand. So it's important to talk to kids about plans and strategies so that they know that they'll be taken care of and to keep that conversation, uh, whatever question they might have, giving that question validity and acknowledgement and then problem solving it together. And I can tell you that right there, again, is one of those things you never thought you had to do, but it has been very helpful for my kids. My kids were six and seven when their dad passed away. Mm -hmm. And now it's, well, what happens if something goes wrong with you or what if you get sick, which you never think you're going to have a conversation with a six and a seven or an eight and a nine-year-old. And it really does. You see a lot of I guess just they just become calm when you talk about that. What would I do? Who would take care of me? Where am I going? Mm-hmm. It's yep. a weird conversation. Not going to lie. Let's be honest about it. But it is so important. It, it's so important because what we lose, we lose a sense of control. We're not in control of anything, right? We, right. You know, we, we aren't, but we, we try to have plans and have 
some control over the most immediate things around us, how we feel, how we react to things. So having this, and that's where that calm kind of comes in. Oh, sorry about that. I got my alarm here. <laughs> um, but it's about how the plans can add and to that sense of calm and, and quote-unquote control that we have over what's most immediately affecting us. And it is very helpful for kids. And, you know, again, it goes back to them building muscles because the modeling that you're showing them, they'll model to their kids. Like, they'll have plans. And, you know, unfortunately in our schools, they're doing, you know, drills on active shooters. You know, this is a part of their, uh, you know, world now. Right. Those are the kinds of conversations that we need to have as a family. Uh, You know, unfortunately, there's home invasions going on. And just, it's entering our world. And so... The, the best defense or offense, however you want to look at it, is that to have a, a, some of pl- the plans, plans. for kids to feel comfortable. Absolutely. This morning we're talking about Adams Place, and along with Kelly Boyer, she is the president and founder. And Adams Place is an amazing facility for children and teens and families who have coped with loss and are going through loss and grief. And it's a local nonprofit. And you can find out more at adamsplacelv.org. And Kelly, before we let you go, you got new offices at Roseman University and the ribbon cutting coming up. Yes, so exciting on June 16th. Um, through support of a Richard Harris Law Firm, um, we were able to open a uh, Henderson office. We also have an office on in Summerlin Medical Center, which we'll be having a ribbon cutting there in September, um, October. But uh, we're so excited to be in the Roseman campus at, in Henderson. Uh, it's really where our hub is going to be as we train um, people across the valley, whether it's North Las Vegas or uh, otherwise, other and other areas of the valley. But we love it. It's June 16th. It's 1030. Um, We're excited to be in Henderson and making, uh, we just got some tickets to go to the Silver Knights game. So some of our families are going to get to go to the Silver Knights game. So they're opening their arms to us as well. And uh, we love being out in pockets in the community so that folks who want to volunteer with us, we have a volunteer um, uh, fair on June 9th from 4 to 6. Feel free to stop by our four Sunset Ways Building A Suite Two location and help us make it a home in um, Henderson for kids coping with loss and grief. We'd love to have your listeners come by. And for everything we talked about, because we talked about quite a bit this morning, again, the best resource would be to go to adamsplacelv.org, right, Kelly? Correct, yes. There's volunteering. If you're looking for assistance, if it's happened, say something, see something. I know it's not easy and it, it's so tough. But it happens, and it happens in all different forms, and you're not alone, and Adam's Place is here for all of us. So get involved, look for the resources, and Kelly and her team are amazing, I can tell you, hands down 100%. Kelly Boyer, President and Founder, Adam's Place. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Steph. Thanks for keeping that conversation about children's mental health and wellness and, and kids coping with loss and grief. We love you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kelly. We'll chat soon, and good luck with the ribbon cutting. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.